Hey, my fellow property managers, welcome to another episode of the Property Management Business Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the biggest problem we face as property managers in our business. Can you guess what it is? If you said maintenance, I would agree with you. Maintenance is hard, isn't it? Things break, owners don't want to spend the money, tenants want it fixed yesterday, vendors are delayed. It's hard. So I'm going to share with you several best practices to help you get control of this crazy thing we call maintenance. And then we're going to take two questions. We're going to hear a question that talks about what do you do when you're doing an occupied property inspection and you find damage? How do you fix it? Who pays for it? We're going to have a second question from a property manager who says their owner wants to find their own tenant and then, of course, not pay for it. And then I just should manage their own tenant. Do you do that? Do you allow owners to bring their own tenants? I'll offer our thoughts on that. Welcome, and let's get going. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode at the Property Management Business Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Cunningham. You know, I do uh, I do one-on-one coaching with a fair number of folks, and I do speaking and small groups, big groups, all sorts of different things. The most common question I get from individuals I'm coaching, speaking to, and whatever venue I am in, the most common question is around the topic of maintenance. And it usually sounds something like this. Uh, Hey, Mark, I have a question. Um, We're really having trouble uh, really tightening our maintenance division. Uh, Sometimes it's hard to find vendors and communications. Do you have any any uh, best strategies or, or practices around maintenance? And the questions usually come in something like that. They're very vague, they're very general, but are, they're around this giant, ugly topic of maintenance. How do we, as the third-party property management company, deal with, with maintenance? Because maintenance, in my opinion, is the biggest challenge, the biggest problem we have as property managers, isn't it? I mean, think about that. What are most of the calls that come into your office about? Aside from leasing, it's probably a tenant stating that their toilet is backed up or they don't have any hot water, their garbage disposal doesn't work, their ice maker is not functioning properly, or a burner on the stove has gone out. And that's just checking your voicemail messages first thing in the morning. And there's so much to do with maintenance. So let me offer three, four, five, six, probably seven actually, best practices as it relates to different parts of the maintenance side of things. And maintenance is a huge category. I truly believe it's the biggest issue, the biggest challenge we face in our businesses. So the more we can get a handle on maintenance, the easier our business becomes to operate. Okay, so here we go. We're gonna run through a number of philosophies around maintenance. And let me just offer some thoughts. These are not right or wrong things. This is just our perspective as a property management company who've been doing maintenance for a long time. Now, before we jump in, let me say that we use third-party vendors. We do not use in-house maintenance techs. We have in the past, and I know different people have different opinions on that. We'll kind of mess with that just a little bit. Do we use in-house or do we use third-party? But but we don't uh, use in-house that way. Okay, so here we go. Number one, number one philosophy is this. Maintenance is not a problem to be solved. It is a tension to be managed. Let me say that again. Maintenance is not a problem to be solved. It is a tension to be managed. You say, well, Mark, that doesn't help me figure out maintenance. And, and you're right. 
But understanding that as a philosophy baseline will help you in dealing with the difficulties and the challenges of maintenance. Because too often, we come to the maintenance issue as a problem that we can somehow solve. If I only had better technology, then all of these maintenance issues would go away. If we had better communication, if I only had better vendors, have you ever found yourself saying that? If I only had better vendors, then these maintenance issues would go away. And although technology and communication and good vendors can help improve your maintenance process, it will never solve your maintenance problem. Why? Because maintenance is not a problem to be solved. It's a tension to be managed. And when you can wrap your head around that idea that it's not solvable, it's only manageable, that helps you deal with the stress because you'll stop trying to look for a solution to something that is not solvable, right? It's uh, what's the old analogy of uh, something like, uh, you know, what uh, smell this flower and then tell me what, uh, tell me what number it smelled like, one or five or 10. I mean, it, there's no correlation. That was actually a terrible analogy. As, as I listened to myself say it, made no sense whatsoever. Made sense in my head before I said it. But the idea is, are we trying to solve something with that is unsolvable? So it's a, if it's a tension to be managed, if we look at it through that realm, now it makes a little bit more sense. Because now we say, oh, okay, okay, I can't solve it. I can just kind of alleviate these problems. Because think about it. When a repair request comes in, what are we dealing with? Number one, you've got a tenant who is very times frustrated, right? They woke up, all they wanted was a cup of coffee and a hot shower, and they got their cup of, co cup of coffee, but they did not get their hot shower because the water isn't working, the hot water is not working. So you've got an upset tenant, number one. Number two, you're gonna get a hold of a vendor, and the vendors are backed up. They are busy. If your vendors are like ours, they're sometimes a little bit behind schedule. So you've got a vendor who's backed up. Now you've got to communicate to the owner, and the owner's going to want to make sure that they don't spend a nickel more than is necessary, and hopefully maybe even a little bit less than is necessary, on whatever that repair is. So you've got them there overseeing and concerned about this whole thing. Uh, vendors are going to have to get parts. Parts are delayed of course, with this whole situation. So you're trying to manage and massage all these issues. An upset tenant, something is broken mechanically that sometimes takes time to even figure out how to fix. Vendors that in the eyes of the owner charges too much. Tenants who's in their opinion, it's taking too long to fix this whole thing. And all you're doing is managing these different aspects and issues of it. But when you can, can wrap your head around the idea that, hey, all I can do is massage this stuff and manage this stuff to minimize the damage, make this as least bad as possible, and hopefully go away. So that's the first thing we want to do. And the first thing we want to understand is understanding we can't solve it. We can only manage it. Okay, so with that, let's walk through a couple detailed specific aspects of maintenance. And let me just offer a few thoughts on these things. So number one, what about finding vendors, right? I, I hear this a lot. I just need to find better vendors. I, I, if only, if only I could find great, but Mark, where can I go to find great vendors? And dealing with vendors is tough. Do you do it in-house and use employees to use third-party vendors? We've tried both of those things. We have landed at this point in time on using third-party independent contract vendors. I like that better 
because I feel it gives us a little more control. Now you may say, well, Mark, that doesn't make any sense. You can control an employee much better than a third party vendor, but it gives us more control on when we want to stop using a potential vendor. But we, we do it that way. Uh, I don't have a strong opinion. If you use in-house and it works great, then, then wonderful. Um, but using outside vendors gives us the ability to change vendors quickly, find vendors quickly. But when we're looking for vendors, what we do is we understand, and this is what I want you to do, understand that there are three criteria on which you need to screen your vendors. Three criteria. Those three criteria are number one, price, right? How much do they charge? Number two, timeliness. How fast can they be at the property? And number three, quality of work. Price, timeliness, quality of work. Those are the three filters or the three criteria that we want to use to find vendors. Now, you may say, well, Mark, that, that's great. I, yes, I want to do that. And so I'm envisioning these three intersecting circles. And the three intersecting circles, the, the little Venn diagram, it, it has one area where all three of those things come together. And I want to find the vendors that meet all three and they magically come together and they just form this beautiful, good prices, great quality service and very fast. My friends, I hate to break it to you and I feel bad saying this, but the rule is this. You can only pick two of those things with all of your vendors. You only get two. It doesn't exist to get three. Because if you have all three, it will only last for a very short period of time. More typically, when you're looking at a vendor, you can find someone who's cheap. Absolutely, you can. And they will show up on time. But guess what? Guess why they're cheap? Guess why they're showing up on time? Because their quality isn't that great. Oh, okay, well, those that one didn't work. But but Mark, I want someone who's who does good quality work. Okay. Typically, vendors who do really good quality work and show up on time, here's your question. Are they expensive or are they cheap? Hmm, think about it for a minute. If you said expensive, you're correct. Why are they expensive? Because that's what they have to be to do good quality work. It's just like you and your business. If you are a great property management company, you're probably not the cheapest one in town because we know that quality costs money. So it's a frustrating thing, but that's the nature of capitalism, my friends, is you get to only pick two. Do you want the good vendor who does good quality work? Do you want the, qual the vendor that shows up on time? Or do you want the vendor that's cheap? Pick the two you want and balance those three things. So we're always balancing those three things. You know, One way to look at that as well is we know this is true when we look and compare two different categories of vendors. One category is like the big maintenance company. Right? Think about the big uh, HVAC company that's in your town and they drive around with big shiny trucks and they have their web address on the side of the truck and uh, they wear nice uniforms. And if you call their office, they have a receptionist answer the phone. They actually answer the phone and they can schedule someone to be at your property in, the, in a few minutes. They carry a bunch of tools with them. They are just top notch. And then compare that to what we sometimes refer to as uh, Chuck and a truck. Have you met Chuck in a truck? Chuck in a truck is the guy that drives around town and he also has a truck. He also has a phone number on his truck, but Chuck's truck is usually pretty beat up. It's the same truck he's been driving for a long time. It, it has a lot of dents in it. It's got the bumper 
that is tied on with a bungee cord. Like it looks awful. And it's Chuck. Chuck's receptionist is Chuck. And the person that does Chuck's billing, yeah, that's Chuck also. So Chuck is the one you're going to get. He Chuck likes to work by himself. He's a, a hard worker. And he does pretty good quality, but it's just Chuck. So if you compare and contrast those two, if you want someone who can be available right now, hey, my water heater blew up. I need you to be here now. Chuck may say, well, gosh, I'm on this job for the next 10 days. Um, so I don't have any availability until then. So we lost out. So what do we what do we get with Chuck? We might get good quality work and we might even get good, pretty good pricing, but we don't get timeliness because it's only Chuck and he's busy. So you say, well, then I'm going to call the, the big company, the uh, AAA plumbing with the shiny red trucks. And so you call AAA plumbing and their receptionist answers, answers and she says, absolutely, I can have somebody out there in half an hour. And you think, oh, this is wonderful. And they are fast and they usually do good quality work. But they're pricing what is excessively high. Why? Because it has to be for the timing to be provided. Now, neither of those two are right or wrong, but different times call for different vendors. If the water heater blew up and it needs to be fixed immediately, then you probably need to call the big company in town and get them out there immediately. If it's something that can wait, well, then maybe you call Chuck to get really good pricing on that. But understanding that as we walk through vendors, that it's one or the other, you can't have it your cake and eat it too, my friends. Okay, so that's kind of category number two that we need to understand. So remember, number one was that maintenance is not a problem to be solved. It's a tension to be managed. Number two is when we look for vendors, we only get to pick two of the three categories that we really, really want on that. Number three is we want to have vendor contracts in place, a vendor contract. Now, a vendor contract can't be something big and scary, so big and so scary that all the vendors are going to run away and never want to work with you. But you want to have some type of a document that's going to outline and define the expectations between you and your vendor and between your vendor and your tenant. So at a minimum, you want to have a one-page doc that talks about things like, hey, Mr. Vendor, when I give you a service call, what is my expectation on how quickly you are going to reach out to the tenant? Do you expect him like to drop everything and immediately pick up the phone and call that tenant? Or is it the same day, the same week? What is your expectation? Now, just because you have an expectation, unless you document it and share it with your vendor, why in the world would they have that same expectation? Because what's an emergency for you may not constitute an emergency for them. So your vendor contract better talk about that. Your vendor contract also should say, how quickly do you expect them to give you the invoice for the work that needed to be done? Have you ever had a vendor who they did fair work and they even had good pricing and then they walked into your office like three months after the job with a giant pile of invoices and they say, yeah, I, oh, I finally got around to creating some invoices last night. So here you go. Here's everything I did in the last month. And you're kind of shaking your head and confused and you're a little disappointed. You're a little frustrated because now you have to go bill your owner clients for things that happened three months ago. That's very frustrating. It makes you look bad. So instead, we want to have an expectation in our vendor agreement or our vendor contract that will say something like, you must submit all invoices for any work done within five days of service or else you don't get paid. 
or two weeks of service, whatever it's going to be. You want to be realistic with that. But that needs to be placed somewhere in there. Now, vendor contracts can also say things about insurance, that vendor better have insurance. You know, what type of insurance? Well, it depends on the type of vendor you're using. Do they need to be licensed? If it's a one-man handyman or handy woman company, do they have to have independent or um, workman's comp? Maybe yes, maybe no. Do they have to have liability insurance? Hopefully so. So list all the type of it, of insurance you expect that vendor to have. That's the things that are going to be in that vendor contract. Okay, let's move on to our next potential item here, which is what about when an owner wants multiple bids? Oh, owner wants a bunch of bids. So tenant moves out of a property and it's going to be rehabbed. And so you say to the owner, hey, Mr. Owner, we uh, we need carpet, we need paint, and uh, we need a checklist of five items or, or 15 items here to be repaired. And Mr. Owner says, okay, great. Give me, give me three bids. And you clinch up because you hate getting bids. We all hate getting bids. Should we get bids? You need to understand when to get bids and when not to get bids. Now, some things are very biddable, aren't they? Things like carpet, things like paint. Of course, we can get bids for carpet and paint. That's easy. But what about when it's things that are not biddable? Understanding the difference between a time and material job and a bid job. But before we explain that difference in detail, as a policy, my friends, I recommend that you get out of the habit of getting multiple bids for your owners. Instead, you say, well, we will get a bid for you, Mr. Owner. This is our bid. If you want multiple bids, you're welcome to go get more bids. This is the bid that we use. And then the owner says, well, that doesn't seem right. I want to compare it. That's what I need you guys to do is get me multiple bids. And then you say this, Mr. Owner Client, I certainly understand your need to making sure you get good pricing. We do a lot of work with a lot of vendors. We know which vendors do good work. We know which vendors are timely. And we know which vendors give us fair pricing. So yes, we rebid our vendors on a periodic basis, but once we have our preferred vendors, those are the vendors that we utilize for our bidding service. It wouldn't be practical for us every time we need carpet to go get three bids because every time we would typically use the same carpet company and then the other two companies who we never use stop bidding for us. So instead of doing that, we get periodic bids to ensure that the vendors that we have as our preferred vendors are giving us good pricing and they're taking care of us with good quality work and they're fast. So we make sure that we have that, but that is the vendor that we use. Now, if it's something like a roof replacement, yeah, you probably want to go get a couple bids because you're talking about $20,000. But things like carpet and paint, cabinets, you don't need necessarily multiple bids once you establish your preferred vendors. Now, what about the time and material versus a bid job? So what we say to our owner clients is we can certainly get bids for biddable jobs. Carpet, paint are the most straightforward, right? To bid carpet install, what do you do? You measure the square footage, you multiply it by a factor, and there's your number. Same thing for paint. The challenge comes when you have that punch list. So you have a list of things that need to be done and there's 17 things and it may be anything from fixing the leaky faucet to repairing the hole behind the closet door to replacing the mini blinds. 
and the squeaky doorknob, right? It's just a laundry list. And the owner says, well, I want a bid. Your response should be something like, oh, I certainly understand, Mr. Owner. However, this is not a biddable job. This is a time and material job. And what I mean by that, Mr. Owner, is that if I ask my vendor for a bid on this punch list, oftentimes, depending on what the items are on the punch list, they don't have a sense of how much time it is going for the, take them to replace. So for example, if one of the items on the list says leaky faucet, okay, replace or repair leaky faucet in the kitchen, that could be a $2 aerator that is required to stop the leak. Or it could be a $200 new sink that is required to stop the leak. The vendor's not going to know which one it is until they get into the job. So if we ask them for a bid, guess how they're going to bid it? They're not going to bid the $2 aerator. No, 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 because it may require a new sink. So they're going to bid you a $200 sink replacement. And when it comes to the little bit of touch-up paint that you requested on your punch list, they don't know if that touch-up paint is going to take them literally 30 seconds or if it's so much on the wall that they're going to have to repaint the whole wall. And so they're going to bid the whole wall replacement, or not replacement, whole wall repaint. You multiply that times 17 punch list items, and suddenly the bid just got really, really big. This is why bids are so expensive, because we expect vendors to give us a detailed bid on these things. Instead, you want to work with vendors you trust, and then just trust them. Trust them to do the work on a time and material basis. Whether that's going to take one hour or six hours, sometimes you just don't know until you get into it. Now, what we will tell our owner clients is we can certainly give them kind of a guesstimate on the price of this punch list. So we can say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of guesstimating it's going to be between somewhere of you know $1,500 and, and $2,500. We're going to give them big estimate amounts because we just don't know. And you want to make sure you trust your vendors, obviously, to go in there and do this work. So there's a couple thoughts. Now there's more we can talk about and there's more we will talk about, especially as it relates to owner communication. How do we communicate all this? When do we communicate all this? So we will save kind of a part two of our maintenance best practices for the next one. So before we move on to some questions that we had asked, I want to thank the sponsor for this video, this podcast. I, I guess I don't know what I'm doing. It's not a video. It's a podcast. Uh, Latchel. Latchel is what we are talking about. Latchel is a software that enables property managers to be more responsive and offer better resident benefit packages while they also create a new revenue stream potentially for the property management company. So Latchel can do anything from being your after hours call service. Right? We haven't even talked about that. Who's going to take the after hours calls? Well, Latchel can take those calls for you. Have you ever woken up at 3 a.m. from a screaming tenant because their water heater just blew up and there's water everywhere and you're trying to wake up and you just can't even do that? Don't take that call. My friends, have Latchel take that call for you. They can do that. They can also send out vendors that you have pre-set up. They are a full service software that helps you be more responsive to the issues of maintenance as it comes up. I've known the folks at Latchel for many, many years. Reach out to them, jump on their website, Latchel, that's L-A-T-C-H-E-L, Latchel.com. Talk to them there, tell them that Mark sent you, and get the demo. You will be glad you did, and you will sleep better at night when you are no longer 
awoken in the middle of the night from those crazy maintenance calls. Okay, let's go on to our questions. Uh, the first question here comes from Grace. It's rather ironic since our company name is Grace Management. This question isn't from us, but Grace says, I was doing a occupied property inspection and I found damage. How do I back bill and how do I deal with the tenant on this issue? That's a great question, Grace. Now, hopefully we're all doing occupied property inspections and those all have different levels of detail. Maybe it's just a quick walkthrough. Maybe you're in there for an hour taking pictures of every drawer. We recommend you kind of do the high level occupied property inspection when you're looking for things like significant lease violations, deferred maintenance, just making sure everything looks okay. But what happens if you see damage in there, right? You see the fist hole in the wall. Well, you're not going to evict the tenant over this. And they say, yeah, I'm sorry. My, my kid was wrestling with his brother and he threw him up against the wall and the fist went through the wall. Okay. So what do we do in those situations? Are we going to give them a lease violation issue? This is where you're going to, it requires some judgment. It really does, depending on what the issue is. Now on something that's straightforward, what we want to be able to say to them is, okay, Mr. Tenant, um, the first determination that you as the PM have to make is this, are you going to require and do you trust the tenant to fix that? Or are you going to fix it and then bill the tenant? Because I think too often we say to the tenant, hey, you, you need to have this fixed. And they say, okay, no problem. I'll, I'll get it taken care of. Well, have if you're like me, have you ever tried to patch a hole in drywall? Like, I'm I'm not a handy person. I have tried countless times over the years. And it doesn't matter if it's a hole the size of your pinky finger. When I get done with it, it looks worse than it did when the hole was there. I, I, I just don't understand the magic voodoo that goes into patching holes in drywall and then texturing it. I, I can't do it to save my life. I can't do it. So if I'm your tenant, don't let me patch that hole because I will ruin it. I, I, I will. Now, will other tenants patch it well? Could some tenants patch a giant hole in the wall? Sure. But how do you know? So maybe you can just have a conversation with them. And, and if they sound like, yep, yeah, no problem, I can get that done. Maybe you trust them. But maybe you say, hey, I need to have a vendor come in to make sure that this patch gets done properly. And then, yes, we're going to have to bill you for it. Oh, but let me try it. Okay, I'll let you try it. But if it doesn't look great, I'm going to have to send a vendor back. This is where you're going to have to use your discretion. There's truly no right or wrong on some of those types of things. Now, if it's more extensive, you may say, yes, I need to have a vendor come in and fix this issue. And yes, you're going to have to pay for that, Mr. Tenant. Or maybe if it's something like they broke the mini blinds, Maybe you just say, you know what, we're going to leave it broken. But just so you know, when you move out, you're going to be held responsible for that damage. It, it really becomes a judgment call based upon your relationship with the tenant, how long they've been there, how when are they planning on moving, is this item of damage really something that has to be addressed right now? Maybe it's better off just to wait until the tenant moves out. This is where you bring your wisdom as a professional property manager into it to determine how it's going to be done, as well as when is the tenant going to pay? Are they going to pay it up front? Are they going to pay it in payments? There's no exact way to do that. It's going to be your discretion negotiating to make that problem go away. Great question. Question number two. This is from Alicia. Alicia says, uh, Mark, an owner wants to find their own tenant for the rental property and then just have me manage it. Should I do it. So the owner, maybe this, I don't know if this is a current property that Alicia manages, 
or if it's a prospective owner client, but the, let's assume it's a prospective owner client. So a prospective owner client says, hey, I want to find my own tenant, then you guys take care of it for me. Now that would be the opposite of what we more typically see in our industry, which is owners saying, hey, find me a tenant and I'll manage it myself. But what about if your owner says, I've got my own tenants, I'll take care of that, and I don't want to pay your leasing fee anyway, so you just manage it, but give me your lease, and then just go ahead and prospect or, or approve the tenant anyway. This is where you want to have a policy in place. My recommendation would be that your policy would say that any tenant who's going to be residing in one of your properties has to be approved by you. So Mr. Tenant, if you have a or Mr. Owner, if you think you have somebody who you want to have as your tenant, that's great. Introduce them to me. We will process them through our applicant screening process. If they meet our criteria, then we will have them sign our lease agreement and we will move them into the property. Now, since you brought the tenant, Mr. Owner, right, since you recommended them, maybe what you're going to do is you're going to reduce your leasing fee. So maybe instead of charging them X, you just charge them half of X because you didn't do most of the marketing on the property. But I would strongly recommend that even in those instances where an owner says, hey, here's the tenant, go ahead and move them in, you still require that you process the, the applicant, you use your lease agreement. That's what they're paying you for. So we're not going to let owners just place their own tenants every time. Every time we've done that, and we've done a few over the years, it comes back to bite us. Can anybody raise your hand if you can relate to that? Where you're like, okay, what could go wrong? Okay, fine. Oh, your your uh, your ex-wife's jail's cellmate's cousin wants to rent this property, and and you think, okay, great, yeah, move them in. That that'll be great. Nothing will go wrong. Be cautious with that. Okay, my friends. Thank you for joining us. I hope that information was helpful. If you want more information from us, jump on our website, pmbuild.com. You're going to find every form imaginable. You're going to find it best practices on maintenance. You're going to find our system manuals, our training on income streams and anything else you could be looking for, including how to visit our office, spend two days with us at an upcoming Visit Grace event. Learn from me and my team for two days. But thank you for joining us. Until next time, I wish you success.